Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Bikes and Big Ideas on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm David Golay, the bike editor at Blister, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. Okay, so we were big fans of Fox's live valve electronically controlled suspension when we tested that a few years ago. And as we've been predicting for a bit now, including touching on it in my conversation with Dan Bacon of Wheelbased and in our recent Gear of the Year 2021 podcast episode, we've been thinking we're going to see a whole lot more electronic suspension showing up on the market. And lo and behold, RockShox's take on a system, Flight Attendant, is here. And so we brought Chris Mandel from RockShox back on Bikes and Big Ideas to talk about the system and why they think that it's got the potential to do a ton to improve the efficiency of bikes without compromising their suspension performance. We go into it on how Flight Attendant works, who it's for, what the trade-offs are, and a whole lot more. And Chris wraps it up with a really good big idea. So let's get right into my conversation with Chris. Well, Chris, welcome back on Bikes and Big Ideas. Been a little bit since you were last year chatting about the Zeb around that launch. How are you and where are you today? Yeah, thanks for having me back again. Uh, I am in Bellingham, Washington, and I am doing super well. I'm a little bit feeling a little bit like a caged animal because we had quite a bit of snow in the last couple of weeks and I've ridden my bike once or maybe twice in three weeks and some kind of chomping at the bit to get back out, but the skiing has been good. So got to live with what you get. Yeah. Kind of a similar boat here. Got a couple of rides in, but not too many in the last few weeks. So, but it's melting out, get back at it soon. And like you said, the skiing has been good. So win some, lose some, I guess. Well, anyway, our uh, mission today is to talk about the new flight attendant that you guys just launched. And so maybe to take it from the top for people who might not be familiar, what is Flight Attendant? Yeah. So Flight Attendant is a system that goes on to as a suspension system that goes onto a bike and it listens to the rider input and the inputs from the terrain and provides the rider with suspension control that allows them to have more efficiency riding their bike um, across varied terrain and allows them to go further, faster, and just get more out of their ride experience. Um, you know, I think Flight Attendant really is a product that's that's sort of like the aimed at what has been thought of as sort of the holy grail with bicycle suspension. You know, like RockShox and all, all kinds of other companies have come up with very varying um, types of suspension designs over the year and suspension components over the years that are aimed at like striking the best possible balance between descending performance and um, efficiency, you know, like taking the small amount of horsepower that a human being has and changing that into forward momentum. Um, And flight attendant is really a super sophisticated next level evolution of that that chase after the holy grail um we did really take um a rider centric approach to designing that system and 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 trying to make it work for the rider rather than just provide an efficient platform for the bike um an example of what i mean by that is you know the system just 
in its base mode or like, you know, open, um, or rather in, in its base setting is just going to be in open mode. And then it's looking for inputs from the rider, i.e. whether or not they're pedaling to make a decision about going to a more efficient state. And so if the system sees the rider that the rider is pedaling, it says, cool, looks like they might want some efficiency. Does the terrain inputs that we're getting from our other sensors justify us going to an open mode or sorry, to a pedal efficiency mode? And if it does see that, then it that puts the bike into an efficient status. So I guess in a way you could maybe think of it as a much more sophisticated, electronically, automatically actuated sort of pair of climb switches for the fork and rear shock in its more most basic form, right? Is that a fair assessment of it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think I think the what we're really trying to do with Flight Attendant is, you know, you as the rider have a given amount of like energy, mental energy that you can put to like shifting, braking, pedaling, your body position on the bike, actuating suspension controls. And what flight attendant does is it comes in and says like, you don't have to think about flipping a switch on your bike. You can just take that mental power and apply it to braking or pedaling or whatever it is which sounds like it could be a trivial thing, but when you actually experience it and ride the bike, you realize, you know, the efficiency that you get out of having a stable pedaling platform is meaningful. And then the mental bandwidth that you're freeing up to apply to other parts of riding your bike is pretty significant. Yeah. I mean, it just certainly, I think we've all had the experience of, putting on a climb switch on a rear shock or something, getting to the top and then just forgetting to take it off <laughs> as a, the most basic crudest version of that. And, um, you know, certainly I've done it. I think most people listening to this will have done that at some point. And, uh, so I mean, I think you got a, you're onto something with there being some real value in taking the human error and need to think about those sorts of decisions out of the whole process. So to go a little deeper on how it actually works, though, um, take us through a little bit what sensors it uses and what the inputs it's taking to make all of these decisions are like and that kind of stuff. Yeah, totally. And just um, going back to your last com- comment and in, uh, in an effort to be fully transparent, I have also dropped into a trail with the shock and lockout because I forgot to unlock it. So uh, I'm right there with you. Um so in terms of the the sensor array, so, um, you know, I think I'll kind of step through the components side of it. So like the core components of the flight attendant system are the, um, are in the fork, in the shock, and in the pedal sensor that goes in the crank spindle, um, which I do think is an important thing to point out. Like there are, you know, you can, you can have a shifter on the handlebar, but it's not required for the functioning of the system. Like really it's, the only three components that you need for flight attendant to function are the fork, the pedal sensor and the cranks and the, and the, and the rear shock. Um, so if we, if we take the fork and the shock first, um, they have a matching array of sensors, um, which look at sort of the inputs that the bike is experiencing. So like the vibrations coming through the bike to the sensors. Um, and then they also have pitch and yaw. So they understand, you know, like if the bike is leaned over or, or tipped 
up a hill or tipped down a hill. Um, and then they also understand where they are in relation to each other. So the, the fork is sort of aware of where the rear shock is and vice versa. Um, and then the next component um, that sounds pretty benign, but it's actually very important is the pedal sensor that lives inside the crank spindle. And, and that pedal sensor will actually fit in the spindle of any dub crank set. Um, and that pedal sensor really is the connection that the system has to the rider. Um, you know, obviously like some of the rider inputs will get back to the system via like pitch and yaw. Um, but really like we understand the in rider's intent. The system understands the rider's intent through that pedal sensor. And, you know, we went through several different iterations of, of looking at like different ways to get information from the rider into the system and the cleanest, fastest, um, most efficient one we found was really the pedal sensor. And we, and we did look at like several other options for getting that information, but really like, if you think about it, it makes sense. If you as a rider are about to like, you're riding through a parking lot and you're about to run a curb over, you can't help but stop your, I mean, you can't stop yourself from not pedaling. Like you just automatically kit stop pedaling and that sends a signal to the system to know like oh hey we should get into open mode because something's about to happen um so that's that that pedal sensor really is giving a lot of information to the system sort of for the flip side of that too i'd imagine that if you're not pedaling then you're also giving a pretty clear indication that even if there's not necessarily a bump happening you also just are not in a situation where you need the suspension to be firmed up to do anything efficiency wise, because if you're just rolling along, then, well, there's not too much need for the firmer pedal mode in that particular instant. And so, yeah, it seems like a pretty clean way to do it. Yeah. And I mean, I think, I think again, that kind of like what I mentioned at the, in the opening about what our, what drove us through a lot of the decision-making when it came to how we built this system out was, you know, we're looking to, provide the rider with efficiency when they need that efficiency. And so if you're not pedaling, there's no point in providing you with an efficient platform because you're not using it. Yep. Right. That's exactly what I meant by that. And uh, so this is all happening automatically and they're all connected wirelessly. How about taking us through what's actually happening to the suspension itself when the flight control units on the fork and shock are making an adjustment one way or the other. What is that doing more internally? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you touched on the wireless aspect of this, this does, the whole system does work on the access protocol. So it's like exactly the same as a dropper C post or any of the, um, either our road or mountain bike drivetrain systems. It's using the same, same, um, communication language. Um, and then, on that's all like what we would call sort of like the dry side of the system, which is like the part of the system that you want to keep dry, i.e. the circuitry and the software and all that. And then on the wet side of the system, so like the hydraulic side of the fork and the hydraulic side of the shock, those are working very similar to the way like any suspension product that's out on the market today from us or anyone else is working in that we have a motor on the dry side that's driving a valve on the wet side. Um, and it allows us to move the system very quickly, as quickly as we need it to move, um, which I think is an important topic to kind of drill into. But 
that motor is able to drive the valve on the wet side between the three states that the flight attendant works system works in. So that we provide those three different levels of damping. So open mode is obvious to open there. We're, we're providing whatever the, on the rear shock, whatever the OEM customer selected in terms of their open damping platform. Um, and then we go to a pedal mode where we're providing a stable pedaling platform. And then we go to a lock mode, which is like really the firmest um, setting that the fork or the shock are going to be providing. Um, in terms of like how those are actuating on the fork and the shock work very similar in that we are um, going from a, you know, a needle that's driving down into the system and restricting oil flow and forcing the oil to pass through a different set of circuits. So, you know, well, like cut off an orifice, which requires the oil to bypass, pass a different set of shims um, or force it to go through the lock stack shims. And you touched on the speed thing and mentioned you had something key to say there. Where were you going with that little bit? Yeah. So speed, speed is an interesting one, right? Like there's, you can go really, really fast or you can go as fast as you need to go to get the job done. Um, so I think one of the things that we feel is really important is like, it's not enough to just have a very fast system. You also have to have a system that's making smart decisions about when it's going to be in the state that it needs to be in. Um, and, and that's because at the end of the day, like it's a human being that's interfacing with this on a in a dynamic trail environment. And so for us, the way we built out our algorithms and we, the way we built out the, the way the system works is like, we are blending the speed of the system with the rider input and then with our algorithms ability to use historical information about the trail experiences that it's having to make predictions about what the bike is going to experience in the future. I think two of those are pretty easy to understand, like the pedal sensor thing we've touched on quite a bit in terms of like what input we're getting there. And then the speed thing I think is also pretty straightforward. Like we invested energy in making the system fast, but we didn't like go to the nth degree to make the system super fast because we didn't need it to be. The predictive thing, I think I'll kind of give you a little more background on, on what's, what's happening there. So our system is recording the vibrational inputs and the user inputs um, that are going into the system. And it, as it's thinking about what's going to happen in the future, it's looking at what happened for the last couple of moments. And it's using the information that it's getting from the last couple of moments to think about what's going to happen in the future. And that adjusts how it behaves um, on the trail. That's super interesting. And I remember when Fox launched their live valve system uh, some years ago, uh, one of their main points about why they made that system wired was that they felt that they were able to transmit data faster wired than they would be wirelessly. But also live valve doesn't have the pedal sensor that flight attendant does. And so I think basically it took and correct me if you think I'm wrong on this, but it seems like it would be somewhat fair to say that the live valve is trying to be a little bit more purely reactive to the inputs that the 
sensors are seeing at the fork and shock themselves, whereas flight attendant is doing a bit more to be predictive and therefore kind of not be 100% reliant on fork seats a bump. Okay, I better unlock that now as a way of uh, kind of accomplishing somewhat similar goals, but approaching it fairly differently in terms of the execution. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think really what I how I would sort of respond to that because I think I think you know, Fox did their due diligence and they took their path. Our path was quite a bit different from theirs in terms of you know we weren't looking to speed to solve the particular problem of providing the rider with an efficient experience on the trail. What we were looking to do is figure out how we blended enough speed with enough information from the rider with enough um, smart looking out into the future, like thinking about, you know, using the algorithm to like project into the future and make decisions about what the system could, what state the system should be in. Interesting to sort of compare the two different ways of attempting to do what is meant to accomplish a similar goal. And how about sort of the user adjustability side of things? You mentioned that there's a possibility to have a handlebar remote to control some aspects of it, though it's not required. Uh, what kind of adjustability does the user have over different modes or whatever else might be going on and how the whole system performs? Yeah. So, uh, We'll kind of check off the easy ones first. So on the fork side of things, the rider has the ability to adjust the open low speed compression and the open high speed compression, as well as externally, there's a rebound adjuster. Um, the on, on both the fork and the shock, the adjustments can be made on the products themselves, or you can make them in the app. So again, the fork has low speed and high speed adjustment. And then on the rear shock, it's just a low speed adjustment. And, and then obviously, obviously there's an external rebound adjustment. Um, the flight attendant system, so like the actual um, how the system behaves in terms of when it's moving, when it's making the decision to move from open to pedal to lock and back to open or, or back to pedal. That side of it is something that we found through Ride, test rider feedback, we needed to make adjustable. Um, and so we, what we call that in the system is called bias adjust. Um, there's five levels of bias adjust, um, a zero position, plus one and plus two, and then minus one and minus two. Um, and we got to the number five and we got to the fact that it's a, a zeroed out adjuster. And what I mean by zeroed out adjuster is, you know, like, it comes set in that zero position and then you have the ability to increase it or decrease it based on your rider preference. We came to all of that through rider feedback. Um, and we came to the amount of bias that we were offering in the system in that zero mode through rider feedback. So we've kind of found that like most of the riders were ending up in that zero position. And so that's the default setting for the system. What is bias adjust? So bias adjust is the amount of time um, or the, the amount of inputs it's going to take for the system to move away from open. So as I've said a couple times now, like the system is default into the open mode and then it's looking for opportunities to provide you with efficiency. 
So in the zero setting mode, it's going to be, you know, what the average rider felt the system should provide. If you go to a minus two setting, then it's going to be, a, it's going to take a lot more pedaling and smooth trail for you to move into pedal or for you to move into lock. If you put the system in plus two, then it's going to be very easy for the system to move itself into pedal from open or move itself into lock from open. And, you know, I think one of the things you see with a lot of riders as they get on to flight attendant is there's a ton of personal preference. And like the first thing you do for the first few rides is you're getting used to flight, getting used to having the flight attendant system on your bike is you play around with like, what bias setting do I want to have on the bike? Which, what makes the most sense for me? And you, you know, start in the zero position, see what that feels like, move to the negative two position, see what that feels like, move to the positive two position, see what that feels like, and then kind of settle out wherever it is you, you need to be. And I know quite a few riders who ride in zero and quite a few riders who ride in negative one. I personally actually ride in positive two because I find that the system is open when I need the system to be open. And I want the bike to be as efficient as possible. So plus two is a great place for me because there's no downsides for me. The bike is always in open when I'm running into bumps. And then it snaps into pedal or lock as quickly as possible after that. What bike or bikes have you been spending time with it on most recently? I currently am riding it on a Trek Slash. But the bike that I previously had it on before this Trek Slash was a specialized enduro. Okay, so you're running it in plus two even on some pretty big enduro bikes. And so it's not like you're putting it on a short travel trail bike where it would sort of be obviously oriented to a use case where you were really going gunning for efficiency, but you're even still doing it on those. Yep. Yeah, totally. And I think, you know, travel is an interesting one when it comes to flight attendant because I think I think there's a huge benefit to flight attendant like across the board in terms of different bikes. The the specialized enduro is like a really interesting case because I think it's an excellent bike, but I I don't think um, anyone at specialized is going to be um, mad at me if I say you know like pedaling wise it leaves a little bit to be desired, but it absolutely shreds on the downhill. And you know I, I do think flight attendant on that bike because I, I rode that bike without flight attendant a lot, and then I rode it with flight attendant quite a bit. Um, you know, flight attendant really opened up that bike into some terrain that I wouldn't have really been riding it on if it wasn't for the like base level efficiency that I brought to it. So, you know, one other way to think about that is like the, the marginal benefit of the system. So like how much you're getting out of it kind of in a certain way, you can think of it as increasing with the amount of travel you have because the more travel you have at it, the more efficiency it's going to provide you. Um, that doesn't mean it doesn't work great on little, on shorter travel bikes like the like the Jeffsy and the Neuron. Both of those bikes end up being that much closer to a cross country race bike and able to carry that much more speed on, you know, flat and traversing trails. If flight attendant makes a given bike X percent more efficient and you know, that is a bigger difference on a bike that is less efficient to start with basically. So yep, exactly. All right. Fair enough. And I guess that's a good time to touch a little bit on 
what forks and shocks flight attendant is available for. And well, currently it's only available on complete bikes. You don't need to rattle off the whole list of them, certainly, but it's do I have it right that it's basically on kind of a range of trail through enduro bikes at this point? Yep. Yeah. And, the, you know, the list of I'll rattle them off just because the list of bikes is really, really short. And, um, you know, it's the Socialized Enduro that I mentioned, the Trek Slash, Capra um, from YT, the Jeffsy from YT, and then the Spectral and the Neuron from Canyon. Okay. Yeah. Not a super long list then. Yeah. Pretty short list and like pretty uh, sort of like running the gamut from like that heavy hitting enduro bike. So, you know, like pretty race focused enduro bike and then um, into like, you know, pretty light duty and trail, trail you know, like really trail bikes. Um, and the, the forks that it's available on kind of match that full range. So you can find it on the Pike, the Lyric, uh or the zeb and then on the shock side of things it is only available on the super deluxe both air and coil or just the air version for the shock just the air version for now sort of on that note i mean i i can only assume that the list of bikes that it's available on is only going to grow at some point but do you envision it being available aftermarket at some point as well or is that unclear at this point yeah that's a great question so you know for the time being, we see this as, as OEM availability only. And you are right. There, there will be more bikes in the future. Um, you know, my, the, the complication really on the aftermarket availability comes from the rear shock side of things, you know, and I can speak to this really, uh, closely because, you know, my previous job was rear shock product manager at rock shocks, but you know, the, a level of complexity when it comes to rear shock tuning um, in terms of the size and the stroke, the air spring setup, the rebound tune, the compression tune, the pedal platform tune, and the lockout tune in addition to the frame fitment side of things. Um, because as tr- we tried as hard as we could, but the, the flight attendant shock is slightly larger than the existing super deluxe shock. Um, you know, we tried really hard to, to keep it as small as possible, but there are like a little bit more um, constraints on that side of it as possible. So it really is like that shock availability in terms of like offering the full range of product that, that kind of holds it back on the aftermarket side of things and keeps it a complete bike option at this point. And also, I was going to touch on this a little bit here, not to get too far off in the weeds, but I would imagine that the tuning with a flight attendant gets especially complicated on the rear shocks where you then have to contend with the fact that the sensor unit that's on the shock is going to be oriented any which way depending on what frame it's going on and depending on the frame that end of the shock may also be moving as the shock compresses which i guess i can only assume makes the uh getting real good data out of the sensor inputs that much trickier so i can understand wanting to really have it kind of locked down and get it worked out for each particular bike rather than just letting it be a free for all for people to throw on whatever. Yeah, totally. I mean, you know, it's, I'm, I'm laughing to myself cause, cause I, we did, when we did the OEM tuning for these, um, shocks, you know, in some ways you were not in some ways, like the way we had to run OEM tuning for these shocks was, you know, we would start by just tuning the rear shock 
without the flight attendant system. And then we would switch to running the flight attendant system to confirm that the OEM customer liked the tune that they picked sort of running only in open mode still when they went over to the flight attendant side of things. And so, um, you know, the, you know, I, I don't know how many of your listeners are kind of familiar with like how an OEM tuning session works from the rear shock side of things, but, you know, rock shocks will show up with usually, um, you know, at least two people. Um, and then the OEM customer will show up with, you know, generally more than one, you know, maybe two or three people. And you will basically run the exact same piece of trail for most of a day, if not several days, where you're basically riding the bike down a trail, making a switch from one tune on a rear shock to another. So if you're trying to decide between two rebound tunes, you know, you'll do a run on rebound tune L and then you'll do a rebound, uh, uh, a run on rebound tune L1 to see which one makes the most sense to you. That's interesting that you said that you were doing that with just the base shock without flight attendant first to kind of get that nailed down. And so, and out of curiosity, kind of how much did it tend to be the case that what you settled on with a non-flight attendant shock ended up being what worked for the flight attendant one as well? Or was there a lot of variation there? Yeah. So that's a great question. You know, I can't think of a specific instance where there was a change, but there was definitely quite a bit of back and forth on that front. You know, like we would, we would tune, um, and then they would ride the, ride the, um, shock and full flight attendant mode with the entire system working. And then we would go back and revisit the tune. I can't think of a specific example of where something changed, but I definitely know that was, that was something that we went back and forth on. And, and I think every single one of those OEM customers did their due diligence in terms of, um, really understanding how the system was working on the bikes and really understanding the full suite of tuning options inside the shocks. Cause do remember like this super deluxe is different from the standard super deluxe that's available on the market today. And that it has um, a few different characteristics in terms of like, it comes with a different air spring suite. So it has two different air cans and the air cans are, slightly different from the um air spring that you see in the current super deluxe additionally it's got a couple other tuning options like it has the ability it has the ability to run a hydraulic bottom out some of the rebound and compression tunes are, are different from what what's available in the current shock and if i have it right there are a couple of little tweaks on some of the forks too is that right yeah totally so um uh, and actually you know, the, the Zeb is the, the closest fork to the existing, um, product line, but the, the Pike and the Lyric have a new chassis, um, and the Zeb even all, all forks. So Lyric, Pike, um, and Zeb feature, um, a, um, pressure relief valve on the lower legs so that you can release the, the air pressure from the lower legs. Um, but I think, in terms of performance improvement, the the one to really talk about and that makes the biggest difference is a system called Buttercups that we added um, into the into the forks. And what that is is an isolator um, that lives on the air spring and on the damper, and it isolates the air spring and the damper from high high frequency, fast 
um, vibrations that come up through the through the tire and wheel into the fork. And that really allows us to cut um, a ton of the energy that would come in those sort of like sharp and high frequency vibrations from getting to the rider's hands. So those isolators are at the um, basically the foot stud at the base of the spring and damper legs, right? And so you just have a little bit of give and a little bit of damping in that interface rather than having it just be a hard sort of slip or well yeah light light press fit light interference fit like it is on the standard versions is that right yeah you have it exactly right so the it, what it does is it allows the the lower shaft of the air spring and the damper to to float in that system in a way um in a very specific way that is um set up to cancel out a very t- specific type of vibration and input into the system yeah that's a neat idea We'll be curious to get on it whenever can make that happen and see how that little bit feels too. How about talking about a little bit about just the trade-offs of flight attendant? I mean, of course, it there is some cost to the adding the system on. I'd imagine it adds a little bit of weight as well. To kind of talk us through some of that stuff and maybe battery life as well. Yeah, totally. So um, it does add three hundred grams. So it's not huge, but it's it is like you know it's it's a weight thing. Um, this is. I, I kind of love this quote because it, it dates when we started working on this project really, really nicely. Um, but when we when we set out on this project, when the Rock Sharks team set out on this project, one of the uh, one of the things that they said is, "System needs to be able to get through a twenty four hour race." Um, which, you know, I think there's probably a lot of people listening to this who don't who are like, "What is a twenty four hour race?" Because um, it's been so long since those are really a thing, but. Yeah. Um, so in terms of where we ended up in with the system, um, the rear shock is lasting about what, um, what we see out of the seat posts. So in the range of 40 hours, and then the fork is lining up with, um, sort of what we see in terms of a rear derailleur. So around the 30 hour mark. Um, and then it's a little bit too early to say for sure, but the pedal sensor battery um, seems to last about two years. Um, um, that's kind of what we're expecting to get out of it. And that's just a that's just like a lithium um, AA battery that goes into that that spindle down there. Right. Okay. So that's that's for the crank sensor. And then the fork and shock are just the standard axis batteries, right? Standard axis batteries. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Since the system's defaulting to open mode, right? Once the battery dies, you no longer have the efficiency gains, but at least the suspension's still in open, so it you, you don't have the performance hit there. At least is that right? Yeah, exactly. And the the system knows when the battery is starting to to die, and so it actually will before the battery dies, it will send itself to open to make sure that you don't get stuck in lock. Right. Yeah, that seems like the way to do it. That's good. And another thing too, to kind of notice note on that front is, you know, when you, but like, if you imagine in your head, you like lean your bike up against the wall and walk away for the winter season. And then you come back and grab your bike and you don't take the time to charge batteries or something like that. You know, the system, when it's sitting there before it sort of puts itself to sleep because it's not seeing any vibrations, it's going to send itself to open. So like when your bike is at rest, the bike is at rest in open mode. Yeah, for example, if it snows and you don't get to ride your bike for three weeks, <laughs> yeah, get it to back there. Yep. 
I don't think we quite touched on cost though. Roughly, what does it add to the cost of an otherwise comparable bike? Yeah, that that question is pretty hard for me slash us to answer. Um, simply just because, like you know, the OEM customers that we're working with sort of work out what that final price is going to be. Um, so you know, I, I kind of I mentioned the bikes before, but like you know, if you go and you look at um, those bikes, they're it's obviously adding there's quite a bit of electronics in there. Um, the specifications of the overall bikes um, is pretty high end, so it's it is you know an expensive um product but it is also like offering the rider a ton of ton of benefits as it's as it's doing that yeah i mean and that's kind of how these things tend to work too is that they get introduced at the top end and you know maybe eventually things trickle down a bit as the technology matures and so on and so forth but uh so you know i mean i don't think anyone is going to be too offended that the fancy new complex system is uh starting out at the top end that seems like what you ought to expect for that so um and you know it's not like anyone's making you buy it either like you get people complaining about these ultra high-end top spec bikes sometimes and how much they cost but you know you don't have to spend that much to get a bike that works really well these days so is what it is i guess yeah the technology that's coming in on the on all levels of bike is so incredible these days and i think that's a testament to the fact that the engineers who are working at every level of product development in our company and in um, you know rockshox or SRAM um are really paying attention to figuring out how to make bikes better and they are riders themselves and so they're able to pick up on that and then i guess sort of more generally how would you describe the target customer for flight attendant who's it uh meant to be for yeah that's that is a question that i really like and appreciate because i think there's there's a lot of people who could look at this system and be like oh it's for racers oh it's for the weekend warrior to have their one daily driver bike and i think everyone answering those questions is gonna is gonna answer that question for themselves because when we looked at the target audience for this it we really defined it as like mountain bikers you know it's it's for the rider who's looking to get the most out of the hour and a half after work ride that they have or looking to be able to pedal the monarch crest trail in the middle of summer like it's all of that and i can tell you right now from personal experience rainbow trail on monarch crest is a much more pleasurable experience with flight attendant than, than anything else because you're cooked by the time you get there and uh those ravines are steep yeah that's a burly one have not actually done it yet but it's on the to-do list and uh i'm familiar so uh well that's cool this has been a good rundown chris and thanks for taking the time to do it before we let you go though we do tend to like to wrap up by asking if our guest has another big idea to share and like anything from crazy off the wall to something serious, just kind of whatever random thing's been floating around in your head to put out into the world. Yeah. Um, you know, the big idea that I would kind of throw out there is as, as someone who's been in the cycling world for a super long time and who's like really excited about the, numbers of new riders that I'm seeing coming onto the trails and coming into the community. I think it behooves 
all of us sort of people who've been in it for a long time to take an active um, approach when it comes to integrating these new writers into the cycling community and in a really like empathetic and open um, and, and honestly like excited way, sort of bring them into the fold and let them experience the, the best parts of our culture and, and help them to understand like what cycling has meant and what the, the history of hard work that's gone into trail building and trail access. Um, and then, um, all the, the fun aspects of, of riding bikes with your friends in the woods. Um, so that, that would be the big idea I would throw out. Cause I think I want these new riders to stay in the sport and I want them to help us grow it to the next level. Um, but I also think that we, as the people who've been here for a while need to, to make sure that we're like integrating them and, and, uh, reaching out to them with open arms and being like active and conscious about doing that as we do it. That's pretty good. Like you said, there are a lot of people coming in to the sport right now and us sort of folks who've been around for a bit. It'd be uh, good if we can be welcoming and not gatekeep the whole deal. So I like it. Well, Chris, thanks again for coming on. This has been a lot of fun and a lot of good information in here and uh, really appreciate it and talk to you soon. Yeah, thank you very much and have a good day. That's it for this edition of Bikes and Big Ideas. And if you've been enjoying these conversations, then please give us a rating in Apple Podcasts. I also want to say thanks to Chris for the conversation. Thanks to Taylor Ahern for producing this episode. And thanks to you for listening. From all of us at Blister, please take good care of yourself and everybody else. And we will talk to you again real soon.